All right, well, welcome. Um, we have handouts available as pretty much always, right? And we're um, consider- continuing our series on prayer, talking through some helps, hopefully, as we think about what it's like to um, to pray, to grow in that process. Um, as we start, I think review can be helpful. Um, last week, I was just thinking through how we can use Scripture. I mean, um, this this happens with the Lord's Prayer as well and what Ryan was talking about, but Scripture can really help us as some kind of um, talking points, as kind of a cheat sheet of things to think about when we think about what to be praying. And so last week we looked at Colossians 1 and Paul's prayer for the Colossians and um, some of those talking points were four participles. And I know it's early and all of that, but does anyone remember what any of the participles were from Colossians 1? I guess you can cheat and look, but if any any of them? Even if you don't get the exact phrasing, do any come to mind? Praying. Praying. <laughs> it wasn't, but that's good. No. I mean, praying is the overall context, and it is an ING word, so that's good. That's good, Patty. Being. Yeah, being and what followed it. Being strengthened is one of them. Yeah, good. So being strengthened was one of them. Bearing fruit, being strengthened. In order, I think, what is it? Is it bearing fruit, increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened, and giving thanks, right? And so um, I can tell that changed your prayer life, and you were just using them all week long, which it's fine. (laughs) It doesn't need to be. Uh, Hopefully these are just helps and not things that make us feel uh, guilty or burdened. Um, but they can be handles that we think about as needs arise within our own life, as we think of other people and needs that they have, and as we're just seeking to cultivate and grow in talking to God about life and reaching out to him with these types of requests that scripture gives us. And so this morning, we're going to look at another one of um, Paul's prayers, and that's in Ephesians 1. And... This one in particular, I think, is helpful to think about of how we'd pray for other believers. I know we can be praying for unbelievers. Um, Hopefully that's a part of what we're doing. The focus this week would be praying for other believers that we know. And then the overlap with that that we'll see as well is these can be prayers for ourselves as believers too. And so to me, there's no clear... You can only pray this for someone else. You can't pray it for yourself. Um, I found that thinking about these things for other people also then puts it on my mind as I'm going through life, seeing how these things are relevant of what the Lord would want me to be praying about as well. So um, let me pray, and then we'll look at Ephesians 1. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the opportunity to call upon you, to come to you in prayer. The fact that we can call you our Father and that it means that you love us, that you've sent your Son for us, that you delight in our presence, that you delight to shower your grace upon us, that even now you are just giving and giving and giving. You're giving us life and breath. Today we pray that you'd help us by your Spirit to better know you and your love for us and to better understand 
how we can come to you, what we can ask for, and the things that you are seeking to do in our lives and in the lives of people we love. So we ask for your help as we consider these things. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so why don't we begin by uh, hearing the text here. So I'll read Ephesians 1, 15 to 23. it's, It's on your handout if that's helpful to you, and you can mark it up there. You can also turn in your Bible, whatever you prefer. But it says this, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. That's a mouthful. Again, I, <laughs> as I was reading that, I just was thinking, when you just sat and had like coffee with Paul, did he talk like that? Like, <laughs> was it just like you just wait and it's just one long sentence that just keeps going? And then, and now what do you think, right? Uh, and then two words come out and then, um, whatever it was like to talk with Paul, this spirit inspired um, language is incredibly dense. But in that, on the one hand, the downside can be it can be overwhelming. The upshot is slow down and soak it in and just take it piece by piece. And there's so much beauty and richness there, and I'm thankful for those words. Um, and so we're just going to break these things down a bit as, as we go. Inside your handout, you can notice the outline that's there. And it begins just by talking about this fourfold all. I think it's helpful to remember how Ephesians ends. As Paul draws near to the end, welcome. (laughs) Hey, Michael. (laughs) That wasn't you? Oh, it was a Oh, that was Amen. Well, it was loud. (laughs) Sometimes when we're praying, we have distractions that come up, right? And so... um, that's, that's also part of, of learning to pray. Um, let's talk for a minute about this fourfold all. If, if you have your Bibles open, Ephesians 6.18 um, is, is a reminder of what's going on here. That's my sermon. In Ephesians 6.18, Paul's ending with a bunch of uh, really helpful commands. And he says, uh, he's talking about the armor of God that we put on. And then in verse 18, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me 
that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So part of what's happening there is this fourfold call to prayer. Uh, It's praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. Then it continues with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Four alls. (laughs) Um, John Stott says, most Christians' prayer lives are instead described by a fourfold sometimes. And it comforts me that John Stott can identify with this. It's sometimes prayers, some perseverance, and for some saints. Um, And so it's just a reminder that part of what we can be growing in is moving toward this allness of prayer. That all throughout the day, there are opportunities to pray. Um, there's op- there are opportunities to persevere in this life, as we were talking about for endurance and patience with joy back in Colossians 1. And also praying for all the saints. Um, that thinking through believers we know, um, a, a helpful thing to do can be praying for them. Maybe ones that we know specific requests for, and maybe ones that we don't know specific requests. And in the context of all this, I think about um, the opportunity we have to just pray through the directory, um, just making it a part of what we do, that you can open it and you don't need to pray through the whole thing each day. That could be a lot. Um, As elders, we have shepherding lists, and it's people that we um, give account for and follow up with, and we can pray through those lists. You may have your own Um, kind of shepherding list of just people in the church that you are consciously praying for. And as church experience goes on, you can add names to that and maybe people you don't yet know or that you don't often think of or someone you just met on a Sunday. I think it's really helpful to think, is part of my prayer life praying for the good of the body here that God has blessed us with? And we, we hear that in praying for all the saints. Now, what I think that leads to then is if we think about praying for our church and praying for um, the people here and the people who aren't able to come uh, because of various circumstances happening, the next question that comes to my mind, though, is what do we pray for them? Uh, Especially if a prayer request hasn't come through GBC family or they're not in our community group and we haven't heard a specific request or we're not really sure what's going on in their life. That's what I love about Ephesians 1, is it gives us handles, this this threefold knowing of things that we can be praying for for every believer and things we can be praying about for our own life. Because what it's oriented toward is not a specific request for like a circumstance um, thing that's happening in someone's life. It's praying for spiritual growth and maturity. And that's a vital part of what we can be praying um, for for ourselves and for others. And so there's this fourfold all, but then there's a threefold knowing. And notice the the knowing language that's here in verses 16 and 17. We're back to Ephesians Ephesians 1 now. Um, And again, Paul's piling on phrase upon phrase, but notice how it centers around knowing. He says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. 
Notice the, the triune language that's going on there, right? The God of our Lord Jesus Christ, so Father and Son, Father and glory, that he would give us the spirit of wisdom, that the Holy Spirit would help us to grow in, to grow in what? Wisdom, which we talked about, is not only just understanding facts and things, but knowing how those apply to the particular situations that we're in. So praying for this wisdom, this understanding, and revelation in the knowledge of him, in the knowledge of God the Father. Having the eyes of your heart enlightened that you may know. (laughs) That the eyes of our heart, so that faith would work in us, so that the Spirit would work in us, that in our hearts we would better come to know things about God and how that relates to life. And so um, I find that fascinating because, again, it, it pushes back against conceptions we may have about knowledge, right? That knowledge is just facts. We talked last week about just knowing facts about someone doesn't equate with actually knowing someone in the same way. And so here, part of what we're praying for is that we would better know And it's not just no in general, but it's no three things. And this is what we'll spend the rest of our our time on. He goes on to unpack those things that you see there in the outline, that we would come to more fully know the hope of God's call, the glories of God's inheritance, and the greatness of God's power. So, maybe four participles is a bit much to remember, but here are more cheat sheets that you can just write down. And so, again, in your Bible or something, now, you don't need to take these cheat sheets if you don't um, need it. That's fine. Or maybe just reflecting upon this passage uh, is helpful to your prayer life. But if, if that's helpful, it can be something that you just jot down from this handout is, what can I pray about for other believers? That they would better know the hope of God's call the glories of God's inheritance, and the greatness of God's power. And then we'll just spend time unpacking what those are so we can better know what we're praying for. So the first one is the hope of God's call. We see that right there in verse 18. That you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. So the first thing Paul wants us to know really looks backward toward the beginning of our Christian life. It's the hope to which he has called you, this thing that happened uh, in the past. They're really such simple words, being called to something, God calling us, but the implications are really profound. Um, We spend much of our lives wanting to be called for something, Um, Think of childhood, wanting to be called to be a part of the kickball team or to be called to be uh, the one who gets to help in kindergarten by shutting the door on the way out, Um, called into the circle of the cool kids, Um, maybe to be called someone's spouse, to be called for a promotion, to be called to a ministry endeavor. We build our lives often trying to attain to some sort of calling upon us. But Paul wants us to know that first and foremost, in our identity as Christians, we have received the greatest call you could ever have. That God the Father has called us Um, in the most important way imaginable in life. You're not waiting for a call. You have received a call. 
And this call is from God, and it's a call that with it brings hope. It's the hope to which he has called you. And remember, hope isn't a wish. It's a confidence in something that God has promised. We've been called into a state of being confident that God has promised something for us. It produces certainty in our lives. Um, This hope to which he has called us is this hope of eternal life with him forever, which we can be certain of even now. Um, Even the best calls in our lives, they rarely produce certainty like God's call produces for us. Um, I... We watch football in our house. My wife, Darcy, is an avid football fan. A football fan. And so we, we all share in that as a family. And one of the things that you notice about sports is being called up into serving at the top of your game in a professional league, whether that's soccer or football or baseball or whatever. And I remember watching a game on Thanksgiving when... Um, a player who normally sits the bench, the person who was in his position got injured, and it was time. He was called up to have his start on Thanksgiving Day when not everyone in the country, but many people are watching football on Thanksgiving Day. And you think about how exciting this must be. I mean, he lived his whole life so far with the dream of being called up to play in the NFL. But then... In watching him play and now hearing all the commentators say, okay, here it is, time to see how he does, you realize that like callings in this life also have this wave of uncertainty. When you're called to something typically in this life, now everything you do will be scrutinized. And it's up to you to maintain that performance for which you were called in the first place. Darcy likes football so much she was watching the NFL draft. Um, we were driving around San Diego, and she's on her phone watching the recorded NFL draft. And not just round one, but round two and three of some of these things. I find it amazing. Uh, but one of the most amazing things, about, I didn't ask permission about uh, sharing this, Darcy's deep secrets. Um, <laughs> one of the amazing things about the draft is you have all these like college players who have set all their hope on being called into the NFL, and you see the celebration that happens. I've been called. I've been picked by this team. I'm in round one or whatever it might be. But then as they tell the stories of former draft picks, you see for how many of them it didn't work out. And like, no matter how hard they celebrated and how excited their family members were, their career in the NFL either, either never started or they played a few games and that was it. I say all that to say this. A calling is something that we long for, uh, something that we build our lives around. But the callings in this life are so different than God's call. The The calling that we have received from God is a certain call. And it's not based upon our performance at all. It's not like the NFL. It's sheerly based on God's grace. And as a result, receptions of all the blessings of being called by God into a relationship with him, they're not based on our performance either. Romans 8.30 lays this out. It says, And to those whom he has predestined, he also called. And then it's that unbreakable chain, right, that we talk about. 
And those whom he called, he also justified, which we've been talking about in chapters 1 through 5 of Romans. Those whom he justified, he also glorified. We haven't been glorified yet, but it's spoken of as that certain because it's just the continuing out of our union with Christ in his resurrection. And yet so often we view our calling in the Christian life more like football players being called into the NFL, that it's just more uncertainty. See, Paul is praying that believers would know the hope of God's call. And so what does that mean as we pray for one another? What it means is this. We can pray for each other that we would wake up with the certainty of knowing that the God of the universe has called us already to himself and that nothing is going to change that. And that is our our hope, our certainty, that then we can face, and they can face the uncertainties of the day. All these things that we don't know, health trials, relational difficulties, financial needs, unemployment needs, we can face all of those things convinced of the certainty of glory, the certainty of glorification that will come, and the certainty of knowing we have been called to be children of God. So do you see do you see what that request was that that may have been a convoluted way of getting to it. But a lot of times we don't view the Christian life as certainly as we should. And part of what we can be praying for is that our brothers and sisters would view it that way. And that that really leads us then next into the second point. And so we'll, we'll hit this second knowing, and then I want to hear from you um, how you're hearing this and, and what's helpful about it as you think about prayer, and then we'll cover the last one as well. So the first one is that we would know the hope of God's call. The second thing that we would know is the glories of God's inheritance, and that's in 18 kind of part C, that we would know what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. So Paul moved from the certainty of what has happened to us, the hope to which we have been called, to now the nature of what awaits us, right? The glorious inheritance in the saints. Um, Why is it that Paul prays that believers will know the glories of their inheritance in the saints? This could even kind of sound materialistic to us, right? I want to pray that you would know how great of stuff awaits you. Um, But as we think about inheritance in Scripture, it's a vast concept, but it, it really encompasses two main things. It is something always that God gives to his people. He gives his people an inheritance. And as such, it's a place for them to dwell with him. And the other part of God's inheritance is that it is his people. His inheritance is a place for his people to dwell with him. His inheritance is the people who will dwell with him forever in that place as his treasured possession. Again, it's really shorthand for the fullness of the new heavens and the new earth, but not just an unpopulated new heavens and new earth, but a populated new heavens and new earth with people who have been called by God who are in perfect fellowship with him forever. It's what um, many of the ladies studied together with Elise going through her book, Home. It's all the facets of what awaits us in that glorious heavenly inheritance. 
And so what, what Paul is praying here is he prays for other Christians that throughout the day they would know and be thinking about and coming to more fully love and long for the riches of the glorious inheritance that they have that God has promised to them that's theirs already. He's really praying that they would be delighted by their heavenly inheritance to come. It's this future-oriented aspect of this prayer. I think one of the most amazing things about this inheritance prayer is, is what it really tells us about our relationship with God. When we think of what an inheritance signifies in this life, um, it's an amazing privilege to receive an inheritance from somebody, right? They have written you into their will, and they loved you enough to give you something. Um, and so really an inheritance often is a lot more than just about the stuff that you get. Ideally, it's about the relationship behind the stuff that then is left to you. It's a, a token of love. But the one thing that we're not able to pass on in an inheritance is our presence, right? That's, that's the downside of an inheritance is you're receiving it because that person is no longer with you, that person is no longer here. And the house, the money, the heirlooms that you get, if your relationship with that person was good, you find yourself saying, I'd rather not have this stuff but have you here with me instead, right? Um, that's the best we can do with an inheritance in this life. But that's not how the inheritance with God works. The God who works all things according to the counsel of his will, as Paul has been talking about, he gives us an inheritance that's it's really beyond our ability to fathom. He says, I'll give you a place I'll give you the world as you were made to experience it. And it's all a gift that you will have. And that world will be in the saints, is how it's described, together with all those we love in Christ. And God says, and I will be there with you. I will be your God, and you will be my people, dwelling there in this place for forever. That inheritance is yours, believer. It's what awaits you. It's the hope that we have. And it is certainly yours because of the calling that you have received by God. Christ has earned that inheritance for you, and the Spirit guarantees that that inheritance will be yours. And Paul says then that this is something that we should be praying about for both ourselves and for one another. Why is it important to pray that believers would know the glory of the inheritance that they have in Christ? Can you think about why that would matter? Yeah, Beth. Yeah. It's so different than this life, right? And we live our lives beset by this constant awareness that this isn't our true home. And we're constantly confronted with loss and how things aren't the way that they're supposed to be, right? We go through life 
Every, a day doesn't go by where it doesn't stare us in the face somehow the loss of what has happened east of Eden, the relationships that have been fractured, friends who move away, family spreads out, jobs change, they take us to new places, death takes away the ones we love, the sweetness of our inheritance in the saints with our brothers and sisters forever, it gives us hope in the midst of the loss. And what it does is it pulls us out of thinking that this life is all that there is. When we start to put our hope in all these relationships, in these things, in the stuff of this world, then we get consumed by fears, we get consumed by um, discouragement or anger over how things are. But when we have our eyes lifted to what awaits us, and what is also already ours now through Christ, then it starts to, it helps us to be able to both to lament the loss of the way thing, how things aren't how they're supposed to be, but to know that that's not the final word of the story. And it gives us the endurance to take the one step that day of continuing to trust the Lord that somehow he's working all this out in a way that leads to something so wonderful. Um, praying about knowing this glorious inheritance, it's not some materialistic wish. Really what it's doing is it's praying that we would be reoriented toward the quintessential promise of the gospel. That God would be our God, that we would be his people, and that we will dwell with him forever. That's the central promise and it's just praying that we would live lives oriented around that, even as we face all these reminders that we're not yet there. Um, so let's, let me open it up. And I have the microphone. Someone willing to... Thanks, Piper. I was going to ask, is someone willing to sing a song? And Okay. Willing to pass the microphone around. But yeah, how do you hear these things and how can that be helpful to you or whatever else? Thanks, Mark. So along with what uh, Beth said, I was thinking of uh, perspective, that it reorients our perspective. And we, and we need that because of, of the horizontal issues of the day. And I, I really like Paul. I just You made me think of what Paul wrote in um, Philippians. And he said, uh, oh, where is it? He, says, he talks about pressing on to the goal of Christ Jesus. And so in the midst of all the things that he was going through, he he was keep he he did a great job of keeping a heavenly perspective or a perspective a biblical perspective on life and that Christ was the goal and and as long as he kept his eyes fixed there then you know the rest would would take care of itself more or less. Not that he didn't struggle, but obviously that's that's I think what his prayer is in Ephesians 1. Yeah, that's great. The perspective it reorients us toward. Anything else? So you think about these first two, the hope of God's call, the glories of his inheritance. How, how do you pray about those things? How could that be helpful? How is that what we really need? Any thoughts as you hear it? Yeah, Beth, one second. <clears throat> 
There's something else beautiful in this verse, and it says God's inheritance in the saints, and it just gives value again to his and lo- his love for us, and that Christ died, and because of that, um, he has brothers and sisters that God is, in a sense, inherits. Yeah, that aspect of the inheritance, that it's in the saints, that somehow we are his treasured possession, that that's what he's excited about, is being with us, uh, that's that's pretty wild. Um, and so when we don't feel God's love, and as we're walking through the hardships of life, it is amazing to realize I'm part of God's inheritance. Like that's what he has orchestrated all of history to lead toward, that he would be with me. Um, that's an amazing thing. Yeah, Kevin? It, it gives continuity for um, where I am now to think back on where I have come from and also where I am going. So uh, it, it kind of centers for um, how I should live in this moment. And it, I imagine that's what the third point is going to be about, too. Yeah, probably. <laughs> no, that's good. Anyone else? Yeah, Amen. He's tucked back in there, yeah. We've heard from him once already, but this time... <laughs> uh, for me, I, I, I think it's a good reminder to pray, you know, the same power that raised Jesus from the, from the grave, that raised Jesus from the grave and rose him to be at the right hand of, of God. We also inherit that same power or not power, but we inherit that same thing, and it's a good thing to remember to pray for that we have that that we're not going to lose that through salvation. We still have that. That's great. Yeah, power comes with it as well, which would be really great for point three. Um, we'll get to that too. Um, so yeah, how that all works together—that's amazing. Anyone else? All right. Well, as as we're thinking about these things, um, one of the things that just really stands out to me before we even move into point three is just how non-specific circumstantial these are. Like how part of what we can be praying is just that we would better know the salvation that we have. That's really what this is. And that that those realities would shape our lives now, give us strength to continue. Um, that, that that's what we really need. And I find that as we share prayer requests, it, it's very helpful to hear people's specific requests because it gives us a window into the circumstances that they're facing And part of our request is alleviation of those circumstances. Part of that is like strength in the midst of it, bearing fruit, all those things we talked about last week. But then what can always be prayed about is also this this deepening of one's knowledge 
of their relationship with God and their salvation. And that's what's so needed in the midst of that. And sometimes that's what we pray for in in their presence. And we can pray that in such a way that they hear it and it's not heard as a subtle rebuke in our prayers or that we don't care about the circumstances changing. But I find that especially as we continue to take those requests to the Lord, often in circumstances that just seem way beyond how we even know how, how to pray for that to be fixed. Or, and we know that even if one step changes, there still could be a whole bunch of other steps. Like how do we even, how do we even pray about all that, right? That, that's where I find myself so many times with the struggles that we're all facing as believers in this world. I don't even know what we're asking for all the steps to be or how this could work out well. But all of these things, they can be prayed every time. And it's a reorientation to just knowing God in the midst of those things is really part of that. So the the final uh, aspect of this is knowing the greatness of God's power. The greatness of God's power. And Amon uh, cued us into this already, which is is beautiful transition. Verse 19 and remember, this is all in the context in that you, the eyes of your heart would be enlightened so that you may know what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. Again, Paul piles words on here, right? But immeasurable greatness of his power. Let's just start with immeasurable. Um, we have all kinds of ways of measuring powerful things, don't we? We have the Richter scale to measure earthquakes. How do you even measure an earthquake? Well, we've got a Richter scale for that. We have megatons that can measure the power of nuclear blasts. Just power that's almost inconceivable. But notice what he says here, the immeasurable greatness of God's power. Um, There is no way we can come up with some sort of scale that could capture the power of God. It's, it's just so beyond us. Um, but we can't stop there, right? So part of that saying, think of how powerful God is. That's a great thing to think about, especially when we feel very powerless. But notice he's not just praying that we would assent to God's omnipotence or that he's all-powerful. It's He wants us to know the immeasurable power toward us who believe. That power is directed toward something. That power is directed toward and for someone. And the word he uses is us. God's immeasurable power is being worked for you if you are in Christ. I genuinely don't, uh, I was going to say I genuinely don't believe this. I, if I give caveats, I can say that. I, I assent to it intellectually, but comprehending it to the point of deep belief in my soul that each moment of each day, the immeasurable power of God is directed positively toward me, um, I'll have to keep praying that I'll believe that more, <laughs> which is Paul's point here, right? It's, it's hard for us to even comprehend, but, um, but it's something he wants us to, to come to know and to believe and to shape us. And he goes on to explain then, 
in the next verses and then in the rest of the book how this power is made manifest. And I just want to summarize some of this. So if you can just um, hang with me here. But but notice, if, if you look back at our passage in um, chapter 1, you know, this starts in verse 19. What is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? And then he goes on to just explain how that power has been put on display already. It says that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. The power of God in the resurrection, which is far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And then he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Paul, as soon as he talks about the immeasurable greatness of God's power, he says, this is what it has been directed toward. The sending of Jesus to die to pay for our sins, raising him for our justification, seating him above all powers that have held us in bondage, and giving him rule above all of that as our mediator who's for us, and then working that power out in the body of Christ, his church, which is one day going to be shown for all the glory that it is as the bride of Christ and God's treasured possession. So God's mighty power is channeled and directed toward the work of Christ, which has been completely for us, so that we will be able to one day dwell with God like we were made to do. And that power is at work even now in us, bringing us toward that goal. It's already been shown in an incredibly powerful way through regeneration when we came to faith and our sins were forgiven and we were made new. And that power is going to be at work all along the way as we grow in sanctification, as each moment we put to death sin and um, live toward God. But it's seen in such weak in ordinary ways. If, if I were to ask you, where do you see the power of God most vividly displayed? Would you think this? <laughs> Nothing against you. <laughs> I mean that in the least insulting way possible. Would you think this? There we go. We could, this. <laughs> I, uh, no, we wouldn't. And that's by design, actually. It's not because we're failing. It's because God has chosen what is weak to shame the strong. That he's chosen that his power would be put on display in a way that's upside down to us, in a way that, that the world doesn't see or understand. And it's in that way that God receives all the glory because through these weak and unnoticed and strange things of how believers like you and me interact with one another and stumble along through this Christian life, it says, power of God, power of God, power of God. Every time we say a word that's loving instead of hateful, every time we build someone up somehow, every time we take the needs of people that maybe we don't click with the most and we take those things to God because they're our brother or sister in Christ, it's power of God. Every time we endure hard things, every time we continue to live this Christian life 
by faith, believing that God will do what he's promised to do, even if we don't know how it's going to happen. That's power of God that one day will be seen for what it is. And as Paul continues on in Ephesians, he talks about just these normal, ordinary ways. The power of God is at work as we put off the ways we used to live and talk, and we learn to walk now marked by love and by light, he says. In chapters 5 and 6, he says, I want you to see the power of God that's at work in your homes and in your relationships. And you know how it's shown in those relationships? The power of God is seen when you selflessly serve another person. When you mutually submit to one another in the body of Christ, when you selflessly serve your spouse, when you respond kindly to your child and you don't exasperate them. You see the power of God, Paul says, when you do your daily unnoticed tasks, when he he talks to slaves, to servants in that world, and he says, when you do those unnoticed tasks as for the Lord, knowing that he's the one who sees us and rewards us for what we do. And the power of God is at work in us when we treat those who are under our authority as we would want to be treated, knowing that we too are slaves of Jesus Christ together. And he says, I want you to know the power of God in chapter 6 when you put on the armor of God, this battle-tested armor that Christ himself War while he walked this earth and lived in a way that was pleasing to God. When you battle to stand in victory against Satan's attack, Satan's attack of, of what we believe, of how we act. So, all that to say, so often in life we feel very powerless, don't we? I don't know if that's just part of getting older um, and our bodies actually get less powerful. Um, or if some of that's just the perspective that getting older brings where we just realize how little power we ever had in the first place. <laughs> it's probably both, right? Um, but, but that is part of our experience in the human life. But Paul reminds us that in our powerlessness, we can pray. We can pray that our brothers and sisters would know the power of God that's toward them, and as they, that they would more and more believe not in their own power, but in the power that he is working in them, even in the seeming weakness and ordinariness that we see in the daily life in the church. And so, if we zoom out and just think again at about Ephesians 1, and picture yourself saying, you know what, I should pray for believers that I know in our church, and you pull out the directory, uh, which, by the way, will be soon available digitally as well, and email will be going out where it asks you, what of your information do you want to share in the digital directory? And then everyone who um, uses the Planning Center app can access that right on their phone or on their computer. Instructions will be coming out for that, because I know sometimes having a paper directory, you might Uh, leave it in the glove box, or it gets wet, or something. Um, But a phone will never fail you, right? Uh, Just kidding. So anyhow, 
whatever it may be, you're thinking of another believer, but you say, okay, what do I even pray for them? I know they're probably going through things. I, I don't know what those things really are. Craig mentioned three things from Ephesians 1. And you pull out Ephesians 1 in your Bible and you have these things underlined. I can pray that they'd know the hope of God's call. I can pray that they would know today that they've been called by God to himself and that nothing can change that. It's going all the way to glorification. I can pray that they would know the glories of the inheritance that they have, of what awaits them one day, and that that can give them perspective as they face so many things that remind them that this world is not our home. And I can pray that today they would know the greatness of God's power that is toward them right now, helping them in whatever they're facing to become more like Jesus in whatever they're facing. By the same spirit who empowered him, that spirit is at work right now, wanting to help them take a step that's like Jesus would take in that situation. That's an amazing thing. And just as we close, um, it's not only something that we can pray for other people. I find as these handles go through our head, as, as these talking points, I realize, oh, those are the things I need to pray for myself about, aren't they? Um, this weekend's been a little uh, intense with, um, I, was, I thought ahead of time, I should probably figure out how to describe this. Um, a lot of things have been broken and I've been trying to fix them. And I kind of like fixing things, but I'm not the best at it. And so this weekend involved working on our van because it's making a horrible noise. And then it involved working on my motorcycle so I could use that, which, I mean, I love that and that's super exciting, but also so I could use it while the van gets fixed. And then, and then our dishwasher decided to stop working. And so all these things I know just enough to like, do something to it that doesn't fix it is kind of how the process continued to go. Um, and so in the midst of all that, as I'm finding how tempting it is to become angry at um, the stupid stuff that breaks, um, to become angry that the YouTube video left out the most important part of how to fix this one thing, <laughs> As I find myself getting discouraged and being like, where is this coming from? And, oh, I might I place my identity in being able to fix things, and I'm not able to do that, so it's making me take that out on other people or tempting me to do that. Or, um, you know, what all these things swirling around of, like, yuck, right? But in the midst of that and thinking of, prepping for this, it's like, well, what do I need? What should I be praying for now? And some of it's, so some of that is, I pray I could get this harmonic balancer bolt to break free. Like, Lord, help this thing break free, because I don't know how to do it. Um, but, that, but that's only part of the prayer, right? Because even if the bolt breaks free, turns out it doesn't actually fix the problem. And so I'm still going to need to pray about other things. Um, and so it can be about that circumstance, but in the midst of it, it's help me to know the glory of my call. That as I'm out here getting dirty and scraping up my hands and trying to be godlike in my ability to fix things and failing. I'm doing this as one who's been called by the God of the universe because he loves me so much he wants to spend eternity with me. That, that reshapes being out in the sun doing that, right? And then also, and then, and then what awaits me? 
not an inheritance of motorcycles and cars and dishwashers that are going to break, but a world that's the way it should be. And a body that never knows what it's like to be sore or to bust your hand on something or to not know how to fix stuff. But life forever with God, doing things we were made to do in a perfect way that we only get glimpses of and tastes of now. And oh yeah, Craig, a a motorcycle and a working van and not having to wash dishes by hand, those aren't the most important things in life. There's something bigger going on in all of this. And then in that, that I would know the power that's being directed toward me in this moment right now. And what is that power? It's to battle against the fears and uncertainties of what if this never fixes it and if we have to buy a new van. It's to battle against the response that I want to have when someone interrupts me. I just want to go off on them because they're the reason this isn't working, which doesn't even make sense, right? It's, it's power in the midst of that, power to not become discouraged by the weaknesses and failings of both myself and this world that we're in. That power is available right then, all day long. And so it's amazing how praying those things, surprise, surprise, is actually really relevant. Um, and so I just wanted to like share that as an example for all of us in whatever we might be facing, these prayers toward understanding the riches of our salvation are really an amazing thing that Paul calls us to pray for, for ourselves, and they're things we can always pray for each other. And I just get excited when I think, what would it be like if all of us as a church, or even just the people represented here, grow in daily or weekly making an effort to think of five or ten other believers who are here and pray these things for them as we pray these things for ourselves. Like, what would it look like if God was at work, which he is, but if we were all aware of and praying toward this being cultivated among us? Um, I think we'd be people who look more and more like Jesus and have more and more joy in what awaits us and are more and more able to engage in the lamenting realities of the life that we endure each day. And uh, I think it would be a beautiful thing as it's seen in the church in these ordinary, weak ways. We'd say, that's the power of God as that's happening. So let me pray, and then we'll uh, be dismissed. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the invitation that we have to come to you in prayer and to acknowledge that everything that we have is a gift from you, that we can't do any of this on our own, and that we need you each moment of each day, not only for life and for breath and to exist, but also to live in a way that brings you glory and to know the wonder and the delight of what it is to truly live as one who's been freed from sin and made alive in Christ Jesus. We pray that you'd help us to know this privilege that we have and to to come to you with these requests and that through it you would shape us into people who more and more know you and what you are doing and who see it and give you praise and who ask and seek and knock, asking that we would see it more and more in our lives and in the lives of this church. We ask this all in Jesus' name.
Amen.